Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not afraid! This is a special show that I'm very excited to uh, talk about because we've been going, people have been the audience over the decades, you know, we've been doing radio since 03. And a lot of people have been following a lot of the stuff that we've done over the years and as we're getting into our build. Now, what happened is we went down to Cochise County on a workshop that we went ahead and, uh, you know, helped with. And we got some earth bags that we're going to be using, some hyperdobe bags that we're doing part of the build. But we also have our stamp press. And you guys may remember, you know, Mr. Robert Anderson. Say hello, Robert. Hello. You know, Mr. Robert Anderson and I, you know, building a lot of geodesic domes. We got the money dome. We got the aquaponic dome. We go to festivals. You see us around the country up at Porcupine Freedom Festival with the dome and inspired a bunch of other dome, dome. Everybody dome, 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 dome. Now, what happened was we went down to, uh, we saw on one of the channels that we watch, Tiny Shiny Homes, their homesteaders down in Cochise County. Now, the thing that's interesting about Cochise County is that, um, they have a permit, they opt out thing, and it's like you get a permit to not get any permits, which I find is stupid as hell. But, you know, you have that option, okay? So we're just going, all right, all right, all right. So we want to make sure that uh, we see what they're doing when the man is out of the way. So we're going to go and uh, uh, keep going a lot of these guys. Now, Bob and I went down a couple of years ago during COVID, and we put up a 16-foot, three-phase, half-inch, EMT, geodesic dome. Did I say that all right? Yeah, so yeah. The, um, uh, and they just, it took a couple of years, and they finally made, you know, like a little greenhouse, grow house, kind of Berman Swale area out of it. So we're glad to see them do that. The reason we were making these domes, we made so many domes, we gave them to guys like Amco Cash that built a whole bunch of them up uh, in Ash Fork. And, you know, Alma, she's got some. And, you know, from the Jackalope Freedom Festival. And we, you know, got them up at Derek's, got some up in Maine. And we, you know, spread them out. And people kind of play with them a little bit, do different things. But none of them did what we wanted them to do. Well, Kyle did it. Okay, Kyle, you know, came, we're going to find out everything about Kyle. Now, Kyle Gundelich, he has Promise Farm. It's a, you know, homestead specializing in gardening, family, and geodesic domes. Now, what you're seeing up here, I'm going to go ahead and let this play. Now, what you're seeing up here is that he has 
taking exactly what we had in mind. You build the dome, and then you got to cover it with something, and then you build the inside. So he did that. There's so many different methods that he, he tried a bunch of stuff. Now, Don and I went. We saw, you'll see here, there's one dome that's like 68 feet. It is like three stories of aquaponics with trout and dive. I mean, a damn girlfriend. He went after it. You know, he demonstrated how big you can go. Well, he got like 20, 30 guys to come over to help him pick the whole thing up and then just move it to where they wanted it. And I'm going, see, man, I just, I dreamed of that, you know. So this is, um, we're going to talk about different phases we have in the archive. Uh, Donna. Uh, put up, I'm going to take a look and make sure she did. Let's go take a look. Because what um, we did, we created an archive for, we're interviewing Kyle. And in that archive, we have the, um, the here, let me go ahead and click this for you guys to see. In there, we have the information, you know, about him and so on. And there's a bunch of pictures. Now, let me go down to the bottom. Because we have links to the money dome that had the dome calculator in there, different covering things, and man, it's not there. Hey, Donna! Oh, she's doing it now. She goes, she, dang it. I know many, I knew he was going to make me do that. So anyway, so she has the dome calculator in there, and I'm, I talked to Kyle, and that's one of the things that he did, that he took, and how you do these struts, how long, how you make them, uh, the, the math for making them work right. Now, I'm going to watch, follow my mouse here. You need to understand this so we know, you know what we're talking about. Now, in there, let me move this up just a touch. Come on, Ernie. You can do it. Did you lose him? Anyway, here you have, this is the bottom. That is five-eighths of a dome because half of a dome is in the middle right here. This is three-eighths of a dome. So that is um, what we're looking at building. You could do three-eighths as just kind of a ceiling, put on a wall, or make it lower, smaller, or whatever, and then you do this. Now, if you keep going, it starts to come in because this design makes a sphere. You know, it just makes a ball. Now, some people have done that for decorative different stuff that we've seen. Now, what we want to do is I want to start, let him tell his story, and then I want to ask specific questions about when he started, how he started, you know, um, what gave him the confidence, where he first heard about it, how and heck he met a woman to have a bunch of babies, and he and, and she agreed to live in a dome. You know, help, help, help that with my wife. So this is, you know, very interesting stuff. Now, Kyle, all right, here you go. Here's Kyle. He's, he's so pretty. And, and there he is. Okay. So go ahead and tell us your whole story from the beginning. I leave it to you, man. Go. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I always dreamed about building domes, um, and the geodesic dome seemed to be the best way to do it. Uh, so we started uh, building the frames. We got our own press machine, um, and we were mainly just building greenhouses, um, looking for a good way to uh, to cover them. So we tried um, we tried shrink wrap plastic. Um, and okay, before works. we even get into the covering. It's okay. the dome, the struts. Make, how did you yeah. even know? How did you, We went, the first domes that we made, we made five domes. We had a crew of about five or six guys. Took us three days to 
get them measured. We took on a um, vice that had like a little anvil flat spot, and we're beating the crap out of it with a three-pound <laughs> hammer. Then we would drill it with a little drill press, sand it, grind it, whatever. Get And we're done with one, okay? Yep, yep. Side of one strut. <laughs> then we had to do that again hundreds of times. And we were like, oh, heck no, I am not doing this for the rest of my life. We needed to get a machine. So then one of the guys go, oh, you need a stamp press. So we get that. That's a five billion pound thing. Then moving yep. that was like a act of God. Then you have, you get the dies, which is a spring-loaded press that has two sides to it, and you stamp it out like you're stamping out a car part or something. But it's a little yep. like the size of a loaf of bread or a little bit double the size, whatever. How did you know to do that? So we, um, I, we were going to music festivals and selling uh, – product um and we ran into a guy who was making he was making frames not dome frames but he was making frames as art installations um and when i saw his method i asked him if he could make me a dome and that was actually our first dome uh made on his press and then uh i was going out to phoenix for a while and manufacturing on his press and selling domes that way until uh he hooked me up with a guy who had another press machine, and then uh, I had to get the die custom made. So. Okay, <laughs> I'm afraid to tell you how much we paid. You know, how much did it cost for that die? The die, I think I paid fifteen hundred bucks for it. Oh, holy crap! That's what I want. I was paying thousands of dollars. Ridiculous! I got ripped off. I probably got ripped off. Okay, so well, there was a there's a custom a custom uh, machine shop in Bisbee, and. Uh, <laughs> He's out of business now, but you know, I think I, I, think I know why. Probably four or five months to get it done. Wow, really? Okay, yeah, it's a thing. You know, it's it's definitely a thing. Okay, now what I'm going to show you, this is the money dome. All right, this was uh, our first dome that we made. Now, who's hanging there is Bob. You know, he <laughs> went and grabbed the top center, and then we go, woohoo, we did it. You know, now yep. I'll, I'll show you. You know. They're making the dome. You know, we got a dome, a 16-foot dome. There's my wife, Donna, dome. Now, there's Bob, and we, you know, just put a little doorway in it. Now, this is what we're talking about. I want the people to see this. We'll do dome calculator. Now, if you just do desert dome calculator or you just put dome calculator, it'll come up. If you do one phase, all the struts are the same size. Two, you have two different sizes. They aren't very strong. That's like uh, maybe a chicken tractor or something like that you know three phase you start getting pretty cool now three phase what happens is that you have a six foot man can stand right at the edge here and this starts to go around his shoulder and his head so this is like uh, eight and a half feet tall up here so a six foot man can stand there and the ceiling not hit his head that's one thing that's you know kind of unique about the 16-foot dome. And you make the most use out of a 10-foot piece of conduit. So when you go over here, you're doing the radius. So you go 8 feet. Now I do everything metric because it's easier because, you know, Imperial can bite. So I go in here and you do 8-foot radius. These are the strut lengths. You have from hole to hole. Now you got to add, depending on your die, how much it trims, you got to add 2 inches 
on you know ours because it trims a little bit at the end. But the it's hole to hole, and you have one that's two point seven feet, one that's three point two, and another that's three point two. Now, if you do the five eighths, thirty of one, fifty five of another, eighty of another, then you got these you know bunch of connections that you got to uh, get bolts for and so on. So. This is how you do it. It's really no more complicated than that. What we did the first time was, let me see if we got pictures here, this. We cut them with a chop saw. We pressed them with a press after we got sick of doing it with a hammer. Then we do <laughs> the uh, drill press. You sand it. You polish it, whatever. And this was the first dome that I made after, you know, um, we made the money dome for us to take up and we put a little anarchist flag action going on on the bottom here. Then we put, I first time I sewed, I sewed using a sew got some uh, white translucent uh, material, and boom, boom. That's what we I did. I learned to sew myself. Aren't you proud of me? So <laughs> I did that, and then we had because there's five places that have a horizontal. Uh, the pentagram, you know, the the little star thing there, it has a level area, and we had five serving areas around the dome. No no lines, no waiting. There's my granddaughter. And then we had all these little stringers that I put in there just so when you throw it on, you had something to tie it down so it didn't blow off. And then, mm-hmm. and that's it. Okay. So this is it. You go to Money Dome Freedoms Phoenix, and the one thing is that you'll find all the links to these calculators. Now, there's dome coverings, there's the construction map that you need, there's, uh, you know, now look at this. From half-inch electrical conduit, $2 for a 10-foot. Are they $2 now? (laughs) No. They are not. So this was, I could make this entire dome with hardware and everything for less than $200. Yeah, I was getting my three-quarter conduit for $323 a bar when I started, another 10 I know. I just, you you want to slap somebody. So I just (laughs) wanted the audience to know, Donna's putting this link up so you have access. As I let Kyle go through his thing, I want you to know that we're not going to just ramble this off and you not know where to go to get this information that you need on how you can do it. Now, when you go there to these dome calculators, they have over here on the side, there's different ways you can do it and how conduit building tips, you know, step one, how you, what angle you build it and how you can make it and blah, 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 blah. So this is the information. So relax, sit back, and enjoy Ka telling his story. All right, I wanted to get that out so everybody, because that's the first thing everybody does. He sent me email. Hey, where's, they're in the text and everybody's on my case. So there it is, okay? Now, from that, you come across this. Now, tell your story. I apologize. Kyle, go. <laughs> um, okay, so, so yeah, we started uh, with our coverings of, of shrink wrap plastic. Um, we, we went with an industrial shrink wrap, and it lasts, you know, in the Arizona sun, it was lasting us between three to four months, uh, which was an issue. So then... Um, so then we started putting um, fabric and elastomeric over over the uh, the plastic and just painting the fabric on. It was a elastomeric reinforcing fabric, and that worked great. It was uh, worked is essentially like a tent. Um, 
And, uh, and that was my workshop was built out of that. So, uh, and that lasted for about a year before I went ahead and got the, the foam machine and started foaming the domes. Okay. Now Bob uh, was interested in that. Go ahead and tell him what you were thinking of doing Bob and what, you know, he's saying. Well, no, I was just very interested in, because I did the pricing on the, uh, on the foam and it's, um, it's not cheap. It's pretty expensive stuff. Uh, square foot. I mean, did you find that was the economics of it was worth it just because of the ease of of dome coverage? Because I mean, you know, it is an odd shape to have to cover, but the foam's pretty right. expensive. Right. So that well, that's the thing is is the um, every other covering method uh, has a lot of leak issues, um, as far as I could tell. You know, traditional roofing is just not made to have that many seams, that many angles, um, and so. With the foam roofing, you, you're getting you're getting your insulation and your structure all in one. You know, so it's um it's pretty cost effective, especially when you break down the the square foot price inside the domes because the domes themselves are so efficient. Um, you get a more volume of space inside per square foot of your shell that um it it actually even though the square foot price in the foam itself is sort of expensive, it's it works out to be pretty cheap. Yeah, have you had uh, basically no leaks in your uh, building so far? Yeah, none. Um, I had some issues with my skylight initially, but uh, that was the skylight itself. So <laughs> yeah, interesting, because yeah, domes are notorious for being hard to seal. Because um, we thought about originally is you know covering the frame with lath and then spraying it, and then spraying it with a uh, um, like a like a stucco sprayer with. Um, uh, foam crete, uh, what is it? Uh, air the air crete, the air crete, and and right, you know, and seeing how that would build up again, cost of materials, insulation capabilities, and well, he ease did of application. Some air crete. He'll tell us about that, but I wanted him to talk about because you had thought about doing sailboat or boat shrink wrap, oh, yeah, like the, you uh, see all these boats that are covered, <clears throat> and you say in three months in Arizona the sun beats it. We didn't anticipate yeah. that. Oh wow! I figured you know if they covered boats. You know, that big white shrink wrap and they're shipping them on the freeway and all that. Or they put them up for, you know, long-term storage in them. Um, right. Well, usually that's it's in um, Midwest climates, you know. I mean, out here we've got that sun beating on it and the dry weather, I think, in combination. Um, you know, some areas where uh, – some area like – so I, I did one for a neighbor down the road and it was under some tree coverage. And uh, his lasted for almost a year before it started falling apart. But you know, over here we we uh, we got four months, three months is when you could really start seeing a lot of the damage. But um, it gets dry rotted, kind of like I don't know if you've ever seen the the plastic bags sitting out in the sun out here. They just yeah, they turn they to dust, part disintegrate, and that's essentially exactly what was happening to that plastic. Huh, man, so. that seems like. False advertising for covering boats, man. Yeah, that's pretty I mean, interesting. Right. They don't put them in the shade. Why would you even need to cover it? <laughs> right, and they do. They do have some versions of the plastic that have some UV stabilizers, but still, they they say, I think it was six to nine months is was the life expectancy on it. Wow. And uh, so they're just looking to cover it for the summer anyway. Expensive. Yeah. Yeah, they just want to cover it for the summer. Okay, so you put shrink wrap. Now, we have what they call stretch wrap for you're putting on um, uh, pallets. You know, I was willing to try that. I haven't done it yet, 
you know, but I was just going to wrap the crap out of it and use that as a substrate. Would that work? Um, yeah, it would. So essentially you can use anything that'll catch the foam and hold it. So I've used, um, I've used the, the same elastomeric reinforcing fabric as well. Uh, it's, it doesn't flex very easily. So, um, it's kind of difficult to use, but in some ways it's better because the foam will actually bleed through that fabric and glue itself to the bars. Um, so even if you just did like a two inch on the outside foam layer, it would still adhere to all the bars and strengthen the whole thing quite a bit. Okay. Now if you're using the shrink wrap, it's not Mm -hmm. really bonded or super sticking or whatever. You're just putting like a hat on it. Yeah. Um, it, it actually seems to adhere fairly well. Um, it's definitely obviously not nearly as strong as the fabric. So typically what I do with my domes now is I do the fabric around the walls where it's pretty easy to get to. And then, uh, and then I just put shrink wrap over the cap of it where it's, it gets real difficult to work with the fabric. Now, when you have the shrink wrap, you know, I didn't notice, I went down and I looked, I mean, we just had a... I mean, there was so much to see, and we were, like, running from dome to dome to dome because he had to have dinner. I mean, it was getting dark. We did a drone, yeah. ran out, look, 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 dinner time, little kids, dad, boom, gone. I mean, we were there maybe <laughs> 40 minutes. So um, when you did the shrink wrap, like, behind you, you can see the struts there and the foam that you did. When you do the mm-hmm. shrink wrap on the outside of that, and then you covered it with the foam, are you removing the shrink wrap on the inside for the foam you spray to stick to it? Or are you just spraying foam right onto the shrink wrap that you had? Right onto the shrink wrap. So, um, yeah, there's, it, it adheres well enough where you don't have to remove it. Um, you can, you could pull it all off if you wanted to, but I didn't see a point, um, because it adhered well enough. And then when you spray the inside, you're, you're catching all the bars as well. So, well, does it create a, some kind of a vapor barrier? Is there some benefit to having the plastic anyway? Well, it does, but the foam itself is already a vapor barrier at two inches thick. So the, the foam is 100% waterproof already. wonder if covering it with something like shade cloth, that would catch the foam and it would really give it a good uh, thing to stick to on both sides. And it probably would also leak through the onto the bars. Like you're saying, absolutely. So, like, a, we get like a really big shade cloth, stretch it over it. That probably wouldn't. Suck. Oh yeah, that would work great. Let's take a look at some of the in the slideshow here. And you got a crew, boy. It's nice having a crew. You know, volunteer. Yeah, we'll talk. Is. We'll talk about that too. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. 
Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Freedom's the answer. What's the question? You're listening to Ernest Hancock. This hour of Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Let's talk about your positive experiences using Dash. Dash has transaction fees that are less than one cent. Dash transactions are instant, irreversible, and are protected from 51% attacks by its chain locks technology. Dash is the world's first decentralized autonomous organization. BitRefill allows for discounted purchases at national retailers. We want to thank Dash Dow for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use. Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're talking with a gentleman named Kyle Gundelach. Now, he owns Promise Farm and... He's a general contractor, but he also does alternative home builds in Cochise County in southeastern Arizona, where they have an opt-out for building permits. You can go in and say, I opt-out. I, I want to get a permit to not get any more permits. So so there's a lot of alternative building down there with different materials, different equipment, different uh, building materials. It's just amazing what has been accomplished there when you just leave people alone? Freedom's the answer. Well, that's a question. Now, he has been a go-to source for building geodesic domes. What he does is he puts up the geodesic frames, which we have the machines for making. We've done dozens of domes and you know, for various different uses. But what he's done is he takes and he sprays it with a $50,000 used plus a bunch of other equipment and compressors and uh, generators and stuff that you need to have a business. He's a contractor that sprays this uh, two-part foam on the frame boom house in like a couple of days it's it quality strength it's amazing that's what we're talking about we just want to make sure you're inspired with a lot of the opportunities and the various alternative methods that are out there and i think you find this interesting let's give it a listen well it does but the foam itself is already a vapor barrier at two inches thick so the, the foam is 100% waterproof already. wonder if covering it with something like shade cloth, that would catch the foam and it would really give it a good uh, thing to stick to on both sides. And it probably would also leak through the onto the bars, like you are saying. Absolutely. So like a, we get like a really big shade cloth, stretch it over it. That probably wouldn't suck. Oh, yeah, that would work great. Let's take a look at some of the in the slideshow here. And you got a crew. Boy, it's nice having a crew. You know, volunteer. Yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that, too. But this is the one part that I wanted to go over. Um, there was one that we thought of doing. You're building the inside and stairs and stuff, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and it's beautiful. And Oh, my God. I want to get to the one that has the double wall with the aircrete. Now, that 
you did a double show. We thought of doing this very thing. Yeah, a lot of these pictures are really cool. We'll go over them. Everybody relax. We'll get back to them. We'll go over it. But um, he has, imagine one of these. Then you make another dome. And I think this is going into it. And this is it here. And you have here. Okay, we'll pause this. Go back. Now, what he did is he made that was like, I don't know what, like a 22-foot dome or something like that, 20-something. I think it's actually a 15 and a 14. Uh, it's pretty small. Okay, so 15 um, dome. Then he does a 16, which means you have like six inches all around between the two domes. So he took, yeah, I think there's a picture here. He took one dome. He uh, There it is. Now you see... Here, it has uh, the separation. That's how much difference. Now, this separation up there is aircrete that he poured between the domes. The first one, shrink-wrapped. Another one put over it six inches away on all sides, shrink-wrapped. And then somehow, you got the aircrete between the layers. How'd you do that? Well, so I shrink wrap the first one, and then we cut the hole in the shrink wrap on the second one so that um, just that pentagon was open on the top. But on the inside, it was still there. So we, we uh, I set up scaffolding, and we were, pouring, we were pouring in from the top. That's like a lot. Uh, how, how the heck did you do? Yeah. Man, just don't say, oh, yeah, we just poured it in, man. It just went yeah. in. I mean, and, how was your void? Did you have very many so, voids? So or? We, we, I had a... I had a 55 gallon drum up there that I was mixing in and then we'd haul the, the 94 pounds of cement up to the top and, and uh, do all the mixing up top and, and dump it right, right, right out. Did it feel well or did you have voids? Um, it, it actually settled pretty well. So we didn't have too many voids. Oh, um, excellent. You know, with the shrink wrap, you could go in and just tap on it with your hand too. And it would settle it out. Oh, and that's one thing that I noticed when you did it. Let me see if you can see it. Yeah, when you when you you tap it down and so on down here at the bottom, it got heavy. It bulged out just a little bit. You know, seemed like yeah, it bulged out yeah. a little bit. But you didn't. Um, did you? I don't think you foamed the inside of this. Did you? Did you foam the inside? No. So, so it's all it's all it's purely aircrete. Well, that aircrete um, one. Does it seal pretty good? Is it waterproof? How insulative is it? Would you do it again? Tell us all the little details. Um, so it's it because the the aircrete has so much water in the mix. Um, it seems to shrink quite a bit, so there's cracking. Um, so it wasn't watertight uh, on the outside. We we put a bunch of silicone paint to make it watertight. Um, the insulation value is decent. Um, it stays pretty cool in there, uh, pretty, pretty much year round, except for that, you know, that skylight we have in the top will actually heat it up pretty quick. Um, so that's something I would change. I wouldn't put a skylight like that in there again. So what's um, the difference in, um, insulative value of aircrete versus the foam? Well, so the interesting thing with Aircrete is it's sort of like a U value mixed with the R value. So you, you get some energy transference. So you get the cool of the night coming in during the day, and you get the, the heat of the day coming in at night. So it has kind so of a mass thing going on. 
Yeah, so it's got a little bit of it's sort of a, a hybrid between a foam dome and a and an earth back dome, right? Um, so it's kind of hard to to really quantify that. Um, the the foam itself is pure R value, so it's it's um, seven R value per inch, Damn. and then it's a fifty percent more efficient than the R value of fiberglass. So R R value is kind of an outdated rating. Um, the way they test it is doesn't really make sense but um if you so for example with four inches of foam you're at 90 percent efficient um at thermal resistance wow okay so it seems to me that was a lot of barrels yeah it was oh it was i think i believe it was seven seven pallets of concrete and sand (laughs) oh my god 94 bags, seven pallets of 94 bags of of Portland. Well, some of that was sand. So there was, um, there was the sand and the Portland, but altogether it was seven pallets. Yeah. So did you guys do it in one big monolithic pour or was it over a couple of days? It was, um, I believe we did it in two days. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was to say, wow, that's a, that's a pretty champion pour there. Well, I'm thinking two right. days. Well, and I oh was pretty much the only one doing it, so it it, it was rough. <laughs> I bet. Would you ever, under any circumstances, do that again? No, you know, now that I found the foam, I uh, I just I'm a much bigger fan of the foam. I it doesn't, you know, you don't have any issues with crackings, leaking. Um, Aircrete was pretty expensive, really, when you break it down, um, and it was a whole lot of labor, so. Uh, yeah, no, the foam's the way to go for me. <laughs> so did okay, you uh, buy you an did... industrial an industrial foam sprayer and you buy all your stuff basically industrial? Because I know, you know, you can buy the little kits to do it yourself. Yeah, but yeah this they're, is a little kit thing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a lot of little kits. No, I buy I buy my sets. They come in, uh, they're, they're two parts, so they come in 55-gallon drums. So each set is two 55-gallon drums, and they're, it's a total of about 1,000 pounds of product. Wow. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, I've got the industrial machine and all that. Okay. So, so let's, let's break that down. Cause I know there's 5 billion questions. One yep. to buy that new or used is $50,000. Uh, that's used $50,000 used, which means one of these foam sprayers is like more. <laughs> yeah. You can, you could spend, you could easily spend 150 grand on one. If you, if you, um, you know, there's different models and stuff and, you know, different things you can spray. Like if I got into spraying polyurea, which is a really cool product too, um, even used, I'd be shelling out 50 grand just for the foam machine. What you have to do is you have to set up a trailer with an air compressor, a generator, a, a really large generator. It's uh, my generator for that foam machine. It's 18 kilowatt. Oh my um, God. And then the air compressor has to be 27 CFM, you know, at a, <laughs> at 90 PSI. So, so they're they're it's big equipment, so it all has to go in a trailer. And well, then, for uh, comparison, you know, I just want people to understand: you get one of those big standing ones. You know, uh, you go to Harbor Freight and you get a thing. I mean, you're you're lucky to get five, six, seven, something like that. And you're talking like, you know, five times that. You know, to get to do it. Then you got to have a big generator. Then you so it's a thing. Okay, so yeah. this is a thing. Yeah, all you got you to order it all in. You can't go buy any of this stuff in a store. <laughs> That is, wow. Okay, so you do the aircrete, 
you tried that, and it worked, you got it covered, sealed, and was that something you were going to actually use, live in, or were you experimenting? So it was sort of an experiment. Um, we were going to use it as a schoolroom for the kids. Uh, it's pretty much a storage dome at this point. Um, and yeah, we, we were sort of testing it because I was thinking I was going to build my, my house out of it. Um, after after this, I decided that's, that's not how I'm building my house. So It, it was uh, just too much labor and, and, and too expensive. So it um, for the area coverage, if you would have done this dome, well, let's go ahead and get a price. You know, with the struts and you're doing it and the aircrete and, you know, minus your labor and pain in the butt, doing that cost how much in material versus building this structure with a foam? Oh, man. Uh, I did that so long ago, I don't remember what the cost was. Um, you know, and for me, it was the other drawbacks as well, like the shrinkage and the cracking. Um, that really killed it for me, too. Most people, when they when they're building with aircrete, they're pouring a bunch of blocks, and so the blocks can cure and shrink before um, before you go and you mortar them together. Right. Um, pouring it monolithically uh, isn't really a viable option, at least as far as I can tell. Oh, good makes point. sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it's like yeah. Mike uh, makes the blocks. And then they cure, and he waits in time to get harder, and then he mortars them together and everything, and he doesn't have to have that problem, I guess. So when you're not playing as uh, Mr. Uh, Dome Maker, uh, is your daytime job a spray, spray foam insulator? Or, I mean, do you just have the equipment for building the domes? I mean, that's a pretty big investment to uh, <laughs> for just playing in your backyard kind of thing. Yeah, well, I build I build domes for other people. Um I also have a contractor's license, so I'm doing, I've been doing a lot of traditional construction work as well, um, and then uh, I also have an excavator now, so I've been putting in berms and swales and doing a, a permaculture uh, ah, setup. Awesome. So you're everybody's new best friend. I bet you even have a pickup. So you got a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So now you've done the aircrete thing. Then you go ahead and you say, you know, uh, I vote no on that. When did you come across the foam? How did that happen? <laughs> well, that's a funny thing. My wife, my wife says she's she told me about it, um, and I brushed her off apparently. <laughs> and then uh, later well, on, when I was she studying remembers. for my, my <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and then later on, I was studying for my contractor's test, and I kept coming across all this code that I had to memorize for foam roofing. And I was like, what, what is this stuff? So I looked it up and, uh, and, and I was like, wow, this, this is the answer for the, for the coverings of the domes that I've been looking for. So, but why did you um, think that? Um, because so it's, it's structural in and of itself. Um, it's a hundred percent waterproof. So for example, as, as far as the structure of it, it's, um, at three inches thick, you can put 200 pounds in the center of an eight foot span. Wow. Um, so it's pretty strong. Okay, um, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Let's go over that again. Over yeah. an eight foot span, like a, uh, a four by eight, you know, or two by four, eight foot long. If you were to lay that across some cinder blocks or something, and it was made of foam, how thick? Three inches. Three inches thick. You can stand in the middle of it. 
Yeah. Assuming you're 200 pounds or that, probably I wouldn't be able to. But anyway, so (laughs) we'd have to double up. (laughs) But but when you think about it, too, with a dome frame, there there are no eight foot spans. (laughs) I mean, those bars are much closer together. Right. So, you know, and then you're going at two inches thick. Um, I mean, I've had I've had I think it was three or four 200 pound guys up on the roof with me at one time. (laughs) Well, not standing in the same triangle, but you can stand in the center of a triangle, a guy, right? Yeah. Yep. Wow. That is good to know, man. That's good to know. Okay. So you've come across this foam. You're going, okay, I'm I'm, I'm thinking I want to know more about this. What did you do? Go buy some expanding foam at Home Depot? I mean, had had you tested? So what I did is I I called in, um, actually, I called in to Rhino Liner um, uh, because they produced some foam as well. Um, and I talked to the sales rep and he, he told me about the product and that he, he, um, he told me about the price of the machine (laughs) and I was a little discouraged at first. Um, but then, uh, I got a really big remodel job and, uh, the woman wanted spray foam in the house and, and, uh, she decided to buy the machine for me as a down payment just just the um just the foam machine itself i just still had to get all the air compressors and the generators and all that in the trailer um but yeah so then i started putting the pieces together i got it ready gave him a call and he came out and uh brought a set of foam with me with him and trained me uh on his dime so uh <laughs> okay those 55-gallon drums, you need part uh-huh. A and B to do it, right? Yep. How much is each of, each of those drum, drums or a set? Uh, so they're, well, it depends on the foam you're getting. Um, the roofing foam is more expensive and covers less square footage. The, uh, the, the inside foam, which is like a two-pound, um, is... Uh, covers much more square footage and slightly cheaper. The prices keep fluctuating. Uh, when I started, I could buy a set of foam for like seventeen hundred bucks. Um, now it's closer to three grand. For a while, it was up up at forty five hundred, five grand oh um, during the COVID COVID thing. <laughs> oh, of course. So to do yeah. the in, now the dome that you're in that you're living in, how big was that? Is that thirty eight foot? I think you said. It's a it's a thirty six foot dome with a with an attached sixteen foot, and then it's the five A's, so we've got the second floor in there. Okay, so it's a it's seventeen hundred square foot total. So this is okay. I just I just throw out the numbers. He said it took him you know a couple of months and 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 less than fifty thousand dollars. He's done. Boom. I'm going whoa 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 whoa. Okay, so just you know throw that out there. I just want everybody to know. Now the thing is, is that um, that seventeen hundred dollars, say, just say, rounded out two thousand dollars. So that two thousand dollars of material would spray how much of the outside of a, say, a thirty foot dome? Well, the um, so the the roof coat uh, there's there's different grades of it, but the the stuff I use um, covers about seventeen hundred fifty square feet. Um, at two inches thick. And then on the inside, the foam that I use now covers about 2,500 square feet at two inches thick. Okay, 2,500 square feet, two inches thick, and the inside of a dome 
that's 30 foot. The math is that's what calculators on the internet are for. But, you know, the thing is, is that the cost of covering the urethane of your 38 foot, 36 foot home, you know, minus the 16 foot, you know, extra little bedroom thing you got. um, What do you think? How much was that in the cost? I think what I ended up spending on covering the outside of my dome was about, let me think. Um, I think it was about nine grand. Um, and I, you know, obviously it was one of the first builds. So I oversprayed on some of it and used a little more product than expected. <laughs> so, so the thing is, is that the, the one thing about domes or is why a dome, Ernie, why a dome, why a dome? And it's not that I'm, you know, freaking, I'm just trying to make a dome look cool and kind of, you did a good job. You know, I, I'm like, all right, you know, we can, I can make this work. The reason is, is because the walls and the ceilings are all the same thing. It, mm-hmm. You know, you can seal it and incorporate. You use the least amount of material to get the most amount of square footage. You get, oh my yeah. God, you can get a second floor like you have, a nice second floor. Probably why you went 36 feet so you could get a decent second floor. And yeah. um, so I'm going, you know, this is cool. And as we looked at your pictures of you building it, this is exactly what we were talking about. Just like this one right here. What do we got? You got the big window in there that's appropriately, you know, positioned for the sun and then the eyelid over it and all that kind of stuff. I can see what you did. You got the raised area for the skylight up top. You got some doors and windows and so on. You already had it down. You knew what you wanted to do. You build all this. Then you wrap it. Then you sprayed it. Then you spray the inside. And then, uh, and we're good. Now, one of the first yep. things you did, I noticed that you did the floor. You uh, had a truck come in and you did the concrete. And then you kind of stamped a pattern in it. Now, what I saw mm-hmm. when I went in, I go, well, this is cool. He stamped the pattern using the silicone, like, brick pattern thing. And when he lifted it up, sometimes it kind of goobered it up. Well, he goes, yeah, that's what epoxy's for. So he puts in, like, different colored epoxy like he did on purpose. It was awesome, you know? So I go, did you have that idea before you went in, or did you go, man, I got to come up with something? Uh, I, it was disappointing at first. Um, and then when I, when I kind of came up with the idea of the epoxy, then I, then I was excited about it. But, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty disappointing at first. Okay, now this window that you see up there that people are looking – at that big window, which is very cool, by the way. How'd you glaze that? Who did that? How'd that come about? So those those are um, those are actually just the the ply gem windows, um, not high end or anything. They're they're actually five separate triangles that were put together to make the Pentagon. Um, oh, so they already they had triangle windows. You just had to get them the right size, and you put them together, and you're done. Right, they they'll custom make an isosceles uh, triangle. So it's got two two sides are the same, and one side is different. Very, very cool. Okay, what do you mean? Two sides are the same, and what? Oh, okay, I see what you mean. The triangle itself, each triangle. Okay, I get. So yeah. this is um, uh, how much to do this? So you get a, a window like that. I'm thinking, man, that's going to cost some bank. You know, so yeah. It, it wasn't cheap. Um, I think I paid just under 300 bucks per triangle. Um, so for but, less you know, than $2,000, you got a big giant feature of I got a window. Right. 
And, you know, the, they're not rated for the angle that they're at. So if I was to do that again, I would, I would probably opt to spend a little more and get, get the, the windows that are made for that. Because what I, the issue that I had is that, um, the, um, especially on the upper two windows where they're pitched, um, quite a bit, the, um, the seal broke on the double pane. Yeah. It's always so, about the little stuff. Okay. Yeah. Let's go ahead so and go fork, fork out the money, fork out the money and just get the good ones. <laughs> yeah. When you got the money, I guess you can do that. Okay. Now yep. when we see this here, I saw it on another dome as you, Oh, there's pictures of this as you're doing it. You shrink wrapped it on, I guess as high as you could reach, you know, like six, seven so feet. What here. you're looking at now is actually the fabric. Oh, okay. And those, that fabric, when I was getting it, was about a hundred bucks a roll, and it, you know, it doesn't. It took me, I think, maybe three or four rolls to cover the whole thing. Insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our lives. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not afraid! Fear here and declare your independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're continuing our conversation with Kyle Gundelatch. Now, he is a contractor in Cochise County, but they have an opt-out that you can get a permit to not get any more permits, whatever that is. So this is alternative building, as we're talking about, and he's come up with a geodesic dome using EMT struts that you spray with a two-part foam mix, and boom, you're done. And this is, we are able to do this. We have a dye machine for since, gosh, since 08 that we've been building domes for all kinds of different functions. But now you can just, boom, you have a village (laughs) in a weekend. So we've been talking about it. This is great information. Enjoy. You shrink wrapped it on, I guess, as high as you could reach, you know, like six, seven feet here. What you're looking at now is actually the fabric. Oh, okay. 
And those, that fabric, when I was getting it, was about a hundred bucks a roll. And it, you know, it doesn't, it took me, I think, maybe three or four rolls to cover the whole dome. So you didn't do shrink wrap on this one? No, that was before, that was before I had tried shrink wrap and foam mixed. Shrink wrap and foam mix. What? So my, my, my worry with the shrink wrap initially was that because it's a shrink wrap, it, when it gets too hot, it starts to, to get loose, right? My, in the, so the foam, the machine itself heats, heats the product up to 120 degrees. Mm. And then when you spray it out and it mixes together, the chemical reaction brings the temperature up to 210. Oh. And I wasn't sure that the plastic would be able to handle the heat. So I opted to go with fabric uh, on this one. And then later on, I tested a smaller dome with the shrink wrap and it, it worked out. So, so now I use a bit of both. Okay. I, yeah, I would think it would that that much heat. It would do something. Okay. So yeah. this this is just like a I don't know uh, Yogi pants. Uh, you know they they call it a elastomeric reinforcing fabric. So it's made. For um, it's, that. it's a roof. It's a roofing. Yeah, it's a roofing fabric. Okay. So elastomeric yeah. is like a rubberized paint, right? Yep. Okay, well, describe that for the audience so they understand what you're talking about. Because I, I see elastomeric everything going everywhere all the time now. How long has that product been out? Oh, it's it's been out for a while, um, and they got you know obviously varying grades of it. Well, describe it to the audience. The the paint itself or the yeah. fabric? No, the 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 paint. Yeah, the paint the paint is is um it's they use it for roofs that that uh are kind of in poor condition so that you know the paint itself can stretch uh, i think up to 600 times before it'll actually break so it's it's a pretty stretchy paint and then it's got good adhesion to them so it's kind of like flex seal yeah yep yeah flex seal yeah i got you know a, a gallon of that i haven't opened yet just in case i had leaks on the bus i mean i go up there and just painted so it, it's so that stuff is and what's the consistency like milkshake kind of thing are you able to spray it do you roll it what you can spray it you need a pretty heavy duty sprayer to spray it because it's pretty thick um with the domes obviously it's it's so hard to roll especially with the foam the texture of the foam it's so hard to roll paint on that i i just got a good sprayer and i spray the paint on okay i know man you're a contractor so I mean, your your good sprayer and pricing is totally different than weekend your little Wagner air sprayer. Okay, so yeah. when you yeah. say a good sprayer, what's the PSI you're talking about? How much does it cost? What are you talking about? The minimum the minimum that I would go with is probably like a six six to seven hundred dollar sprayer. Um, you could get away with like I think it's called a. Uh, I think it's the 17X, um, Graco 17X will do it. Um, it's slow, you know, uh, you got to take a little break, let the pump catch up, build up pressure before you can spray again. But it, it definitely works and it works a lot better than trying to roll it on. Okay, so um, the sprayers are, you know, 600 bucks and you don't want to shoot yourself, probably worth that. And then a big thing is freaking compressor. Oh, my God. You know, this is... You know, so it's industrial stuff. All right. So what are you doing here? Now, this is what I wanted to talk about. I see that you did your uh, fabric that you wrapped it around, but you didn't do the whole dome first. 
you just did, right. you know, like seven, eight feet up, and then you kind of got up there. Describe this process. Yeah, so we stretched the fabric on and then sprayed it so that it was nice and hard. And then um, and then essentially, when I put that next layer of fabric on, I could actually screw the bottom to the foam. So, so of the wood fabric itself. Will, yeah, so wood screws will grab into the bottom, in, into the foam. So, um, oh, how well? I, decently well. I mean, it's it, so like, for example, Better all my electrical... Yeah. I mean, all my electrical boxes and everything, I screwed them on. It's not like you're going to, you're going to put weight on it or anything. And and you got to be careful not to just strip it out. You know, you just kind of get it in there and let it sit. But um, for temporary holding fabric on and everything, it works great. Okay. So you had the fabric, you did the next layer. Um, These struts are kind of far apart. So you did scaffolding. Yeah, I got scaffolding on the inside. Once I spray a layer of foam, I can actually lean a ladder on it. So what I do is I spray the bottom, and then I start throwing extension ladders up against it and then keep going. <laughs> wow, this is way too freaking easy. I mean, you know, it's not easy, but, I mean, you know, it's – it's, Bob, I mean, yeah, so are we thinking of this or what? Yeah, so instead of using screws, you think you could uh, hold that fabric uh, by shooting, uh, like, say, roofing staples through it into the foam? Would the foam hold a roofing staple? It, it will, but the um, especially if it's any kind of a windy day, it'll pull that staple right out. Um, oh, okay. The, the, oh, yeah. you know, the teeth on the, on the screws really help hold it in. Yeah, just co- cost per unit is a big difference. Yeah, yeah, talk to me about wind. I mean, we're out here in the desert, too, and it, it doesn't blow, it's, not, it's hot, it's cold, it's not windy until it freaking is. Then it's freaking yeah. windy. Now, okay, I want to tell the audience this. This is good. What happened, There is you'll see that big giant dome you had 20, 30 people helping you move it. He said yeah. that that dome moved from just the struts, didn't have anything on it, and the wind moved it. Tell that story. Yeah, yeah. So we had, I mean, it was a serious microburst, and that frame moved 32 feet. And the only thing that stopped it is it, it caught on the, the center um, stake that I had <laughs> to mark where the dome was going to sit. Um, and then the, the back end of it actually rolled up under, and I had to pick it up and straighten it back out. But yeah. Man, that. That's yeah. a win. And, okay. and that dome frame weighs, I, I calculated it out, it weighs 2,250 pounds. So it's it's over a ton. And with very little wind resistance because of those bars, you know, it's just bars. And it, yeah, it pooped. Didn't that surprise you? Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah, that would surprise me without a cover. Yeah, I'm, I, right. I think shock is the word. You know, I've. That was, that was the first time that that had ever happened to me. I've never had just a frame. That is amazing. Well, we had, you know, uh, Bob has a uh, 30-foot, 28.9, whatever it is, 30-foot dome out here. He just has out there, one of these days he'll decide where he wants it. And we would take and wrap it with um, four-foot-wide polyethylene uh, sheets that we use for political signs and we have fun, our activism stuff. And we just needed it out of the wind and rain to use as a workshop for something. So what we did is we had it out there, and I had it staked down, but, you know, not near what... Not you know, near enough. Not near enough. And it caught... 
you know, wind and wind blow, just blows over it. It's not that big, but it got in the the opening of the door and it lifted it like a parachute, and it was gone. It gone, was gone in the desert. Gone. It was on the video camera, and then it wasn't. Bob was back in Massachusetts, that's other home, and he goes, um, "I don't think your dome's there anymore, man." You know, so we went and found it in some wash, and it was tacoed like a burrito. We dragged yep. it back, picked it up by the center, put it back, and there's probably I don't know ten struts we got to replace. You know, we're working on that now. Matter of fact, tomorrow we're going to go ahead and do that. But it survived. Even the string lights that we had in it didn't break. I mean, it was amazing that thing survived as much as it did. Just so, my weather station. Oh, yeah. He had a weather station on top. <laughs> he was very sad about that. So we got him another one. But the And he put it on top of his windmill. But the um, when you had that microburst, you had already been living in this home that you're making here, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, how did it hold up? And did you feel that? You got some cracks? Did it do the Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz thing? You know, we didn't even, we couldn't even tell that it was that windy except looking outside um, and seeing all the trees bending over and snapping. <laughs> and it, you, what about the noise with all that foam? Do you even hear anything? No. So it's it's interesting. The foam, it, it, it's a, it deadens the sound really well, but what it does have is resonance. So... If anything is in contact with the dome shell itself, uh, like rain or a, or tree branches, for example, that's loud. But anything else outside is quiet. Very... So the wind is really pretty quiet. Well, one <clears throat> thing that I noticed when we went in, normally in domes, you know, like Bob and I, when we went up to uh, Jay's dome, we were working on his. Yeah, right, big right, ass right. dome. That thing's like sixty feet. It's huge up in New Hampshire. And uh, but his is each one of the struts are two by sixes or two by eights. Um, sixes, I think. Yeah, it it's a hefty dome. It was built back in the seventies, back when it was a thing, you know. And he had that, and he was redoing a lot of it. You go in there, and you stand, and the weirdest things happen in the weirdest places with sound. You know, it's like person, you know, fifty feet from you sounds like they're standing next to you or behind you, or some weird crap's going on. In your dome, I didn't, I didn't get any of that. You know, is it because of the walls and the floors that you had, or is it the foam itself? Describe the sound inside when people are making noise. Yeah, so it's actually interesting because when we first built it, the you know that Pentagon window. Yep. Our, our back door wasn't put in yet, and the pond in the back, the waterfall sounded like it was in the living room, because because that window would reflect it the way, you know, what, you know, with the glass all angled towards you. Um, but once I put the foam on it, uh, it eliminated all that because of the irregular, you know, texture of it, it, uh, it breaks up all the sound. You don't have that typical dome echo resonance thing going on. Okay. Now that was one thing that I asked you, as I said, you know, what if I want to make it, you know, uh, smooth. You know, I wanted mm -hmm. to smooth it out and make it all pretty. And there you go. Yeah, there's a thing for that. But then you got to change. You'll change the sound thing. Describe the equipment. If my wife goes, nah, I don't like it. I want. I don't want to live in bedrock uh, Flintstone house if it looks like a cave of whatever the heck. And uh, we want to smooth it. Do Venetian plaster. Or we want to do stucco, or we want to polish it. You said there was some machine for that. 
Yeah, so there's a couple options there. I mean, you can stucco it, um, and the stucco sticks to the foam really well, uh, even without metal. So you can just with no prep or anything, you just put it on there. Yep. Um, the uh, we started doing that in our bathroom as a test, and it, it went really well. Um, the 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 equipment to to plane out the foam, it's like a four foot planer. It's air powered. You know, you'd have to have a pretty big compressor to run it and then you have to have a big vacuum to kind of collect all the the foam dust that you're so it's like a sander mm-hmm. okay, yeah but so it's huge it's about a four thousand dollar piece of equipment oh my god is anything not four thousand dollars yeah i used to have a restaurant there's nothing that's not two thousand dollars okay so yeah. you have this four foot long you know oscillating back and forth kind of like a car blocking thing no, it, it's it's a wheel with blades that spins. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. And so it's got two handles on it, and you can just pull it down and run it down the foam, and it'll it'll plane it out. How fast? I mean, like, that fast? Real fast, yeah. Wow. So you got to so get they enough. Typically, what they typically use it for is in, um, like, stud wall houses where they're filling it all the way, right. and then you've got the foam sticking out. They'll, they'll run it right down those um, those studs. And then also sometimes they'll use the foam on uh, concrete walls to stop moisture from coming through. Um, like if you got a leaky concrete wall or something like that. And they'll they'll just go one inch thick and then they'll use that planer over it too. Yeah, there's a, a lot of applications for that I can think of. The um, yep. So when you did the inside, you were going, and we're done. I'm satisfied. It's over. Get over it. That's the way it is. You know, at what point did that happen and why? When did you know you were done? Hey, man, it's sealed. It's insulated. <laughs> don't care. Done. Well, we were living. So we 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 converted a school bus and we were living in a school bus. Um, and then when my third kid was born, it was like <laughs> the space is way too small for us now. Um, so we were in a hurry to get the house done. And uh, it took us, you know, from breaking ground to completely finished uh, well, to where we moved in, it took, um, a year and five days. Uh, but I was also, you know, working the, running the construction company full time. So, uh, I could have got it done a whole lot faster. <laughs> well, you were saying when we were talking about this to do your home like this, because we, yeah. we're familiar, Bob and I can, you know, a 30 foot dome, somebody put a gun to our head. We got all the supplies and we had it out there and go because you did yours yourself, didn't you? Yeah, no, you yeah. came over and helped me put it up. No, I helped you put it up, but I mean, you punched it out yourself. I oh think. yeah, 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 I punched it out. Okay, so how yeah. it, it, you did it in a day, didn't you? Yeah, I was over there in your shop. We just set it up and we'd get a little production line going. It don't take very long. So you you know you can punch these out and you do it by yourself or what's the ideal for us? It was like. Eh, three guys made it go pretty fast. You know, you do three guys, you can punch out a dome pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I can punch. I can punch by myself. Um, I can cut and punch about four hundred bars a day. Um, so you know, these domes are one hundred and sixty-five a piece. So, uh, yeah, it was just a partial day for me. Okay, then, so you um, make out because you're Ka. So you get the. Uh, one dome punched out, and then mm-hmm. to put it up, how many people minimum you think you need for a 30, 36-foot dome, and how long did it take you? 
Well, I did a, <laughs> I did, I did a thirty-six foot dome by myself. Uh, well, two of them in a day. So what? Um, Are these? Four? I don't suggest. Uh, you know, two people is ideal in my opinion. Okay, so it's a four four phase dome, probably. It the the house dome is a uh, is three. Yeah, that's why your struts are so big. Okay, so you right. did a three phase dome, thirty six foot by yourself. Yep. Started with the top, put on another junction, put on another junction, lifted it up, and I've done that before. By the time you get to yeah. the bottom rung, that's freaking heavy. You lifting that thing up to get another level on. So you demand, yeah. or did you have a piece <laughs> of equipment? <laughs> Well, did you have what did you do to do it? I don't even know how you would do that. I I was picking it up and setting a ladder under the points. So I have you know a grill a ladder that I was picking up and setting it under, um, and uh, it was hard, but you know, damn, did it. Yeah, he 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 loves his family. <laughs> yeah, damn. He was like, come on, Dad, you can do it. You know, and your wife was like, uh, yeah, you know, here I'll build you a sandwich. I mean, you know, what? How much was she doing? You know, she she helped me for um, second to the last tier, which is kind of funny because the last tier is the hardest, right? But um, uh, but then she had to go somewhere. I don't remember where she went, but she she took off. <laughs> I got I got to wash my hair. So yeah. this is um, I you know the reason I wanted to talk to you is because one, this is something that we had planned on doing even after we build ours up here, different you know aspects of it. We wanted to include this and so on. And I had seen from Tiny Shiny Home, he had gone and visited you, and then you had the, the big dome lifting party or whatever to move that around. And I was like, yeah. you know, this is a lot of the stuff that we thought of doing. You know, Bob, yeah, well, when we get around to it, then Bob put up one. He goes, yeah, I'll make a garage one of these days. We, you know, we haven't been motivated, you know, because we weren't like, you know, in a school bus with three kids. So, you know, that there's some motivation there. But all of the things that you did were the kind of things that we played with the aircrete. We've been out here experimenting with aircrete. We experimented with Adobe. We've been Adobean with structured and unstructured. You know, whether it's got cement in it or not, how much clay, whether we do just Adobe with linseed oil. We've been building different struts, domes. What? So I'm just going, there's a, all right, while I'm thinking of it, there is one thing that I wanted to ask you. When you do design and you go to desert domes and they have this here and you can go to the dome formulas and how to make it and all this stuff. I'm going in the calculator and all that. There's that. But I was wondering if you came across a calculator for building other structures like gazebos or hallways or, you know, closet hut kind of thing or something using EMT conduit like this. Have you come across that? You know what? I haven't like the gazebo dome that I built. I just kind of figured that one out. My goal is to find a good CAD guy um, to, to work out some of that stuff. You know, I, I, I messed around with SketchUp for a while and I designed a couple designs, but um, I never ended up building any. You know, this is, well, we'll let's take a look at these. You know, we, I want to get, we'll get to that. Uh, gazebo thing because Donna she she already like wants one. I mean you already cost me money. So you know this is <laughs> you know something we're going to be wind up doing. Now the sixteen foot dome that you have here that you're working on that you connected to your thirty six 
Did you just mm-hmm. butt it up against each other and kind of opened up a six foot doorway kind of thing? Because we had two yeah. 16 foot, so we put together, we called it the aqua dome. We had an aquaponic thing with a pond feature that we had. And um, it had a nice little doorway between it. So, how did you do the doorway? So, I, I butted up um, two um, symmetrical hexagons, essentially. And then, um, and then I put a door frame in there um, and then altered the bars to make them make them match. I feel good. I knew that I would not. So good. So good. I got to you. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. There are those that just want to be left alone. And those that just won't leave them alone. Which one are you? The Ernest Hancock Show. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're continuing the conversation with Kyle Gundelach. He has a contractor's license. He's out of Cochise County, southeastern Arizona, and he happens to be in a county that allows for an opt-out. You can get a permit, uh, not get any more permits, and... Uh, he has a building technique using geodesic domes sprayed with foam, and boom, very fast, high quality, highly insulated, very strong, and we are continuing the conversation. So how did you do the doorway? So I I butted up um, two um, symmetrical hexagons, essentially, and then then I put a door frame in there, um, and then altered the bars to make them make them match now that so, was one thing both. that i enjoyed is making the doorways and frames that it sticks out it sticks in it does whatever you're taking little yep. pieces of conduit and you're just measuring okay i need it this long i need this one like that and you go cut it punch the holes in it bolt it in boom you're done is that what you're doing yeah so you're yeah really, kinda, really easy to cut so you're kind of eyeballing it uh to an extent yeah um you know, now now I use heavier steel framing around the windows rather than the conduit um, because the foam, when it's curing, shrinks back a little bit and it pulls on those window frames. So, I mean, mine are okay, but, um, you know, you can see where they're, they're getting some stress from pulling. So when I, when I upgraded all the window frames to heavier steel, I, I don't have that issue at all anymore. Okay, so when I'm looking at that star right there, you're talking about the struts that go around the outside. Yep. Okay, now I check 
from your recommendation, when we talked before, I was listening, and I went to these different suppliers and had them give mm-hmm. me quotes on EMT conduit is the stuff, you know, any industrial, you go to a restaurant, you see it's just the conduit that the electrical lines run through on the outside through a switch and whatever. You don't normally see them in houses because they use Romex, which is just like wire in a insulated sheath. You know, three wires in it. Now, uh, the conduit is a lot of commercial, industrial uh, applications. And it's made. That's one thing that you said. You go, yeah, well, that stuff's made to bend because they bend it to go around different stuff. And I go, yeah, you are correct, sir. It is. Just have it go into a wash in a windstorm and it'll show you. (laughs) So then, so I'm going, okay, the, uh, you said that I'm, Went to a tubing place that we call, we're getting quotes on, that the same diameter, the same that will fit into the dye machine, but it's a harder made steel that's not made to bend. So when you started using that, the first question for the audience is, if you have that dye, does it cut through it like it does the other one? And what is its um, difference in application on the dome? Well, I... I haven't been using it long enough to know how how much uh, more wear it's going to have on the machine itself. The the motor had to be upgraded. Um, I think I initially had a one-horsepower motor on there, and I had to put a two-horsepower motor on it. Um, And then um, my whole system set up to be able to run double belts from – I'm not sure how, how yours is, but I've got double belts running from the motor pulley to a, uh, a center pulley, and then that pulley steps it up yet again to the flywheel. Um, Mine goes straight so, from the axle on a pulley on the motor and then once around the flywheel with one belt. So it probably wouldn't okay. do it. I mean, it's pretty big. You know, it's a 10-ton or something. I don't know what you got, but, but yeah, that is a concern. I, it seems like it would, but, you know, um, maybe it wouldn't. Well, I had them. I had them send me some test, uh, some some sample pieces, and then I could test out whether my machine could do it or not. Um, and initially, I had only one belt running from the motor to the the center pulley, but uh, I had to I had to go ahead and put two on there to get it to to punch the first time. But you don't know if it's damaging the die, right? I, I mean, I assume that it's it's going to wear it a little faster, um, but you know. But those dies are tool steel supposed to last for freaking ever anyway. But, you know, right. that's why they're the big bucks. Okay, that is – and what's the benefit of having the stiffer steel? It, it, like you're saying around the windows, it wouldn't bend as much. It wouldn't pull as much with the shrinkage of the foam. Yeah, and if you're making – you know, with the foam itself, it's it, you're adding a lot of structure. But a lot of the domes that you're not um, – not foaming or so for like example for the greenhouse domes we put um polycarbonate in the triangles um and those you're you're getting a lot of wind resistance so if you're going too long of a span that wind's gonna put a lot of pressure on that bar and it can bend it um but with the the upgraded steel it's not gonna bend okay i did not we have never made um, even down to 22 foot domes, we made uh, four phase because we did do a 30 foot dome uh, three phase with 
but I think we did half inch conduit. We really went cheap on that one. But the um, uh, just it was like a, a rave dance party at a festival thing, and everything. Buddy thought it was cool, and now they always have domes there and stuff. Oh, gotta do like the party dome. But the um, uh, a friend of ours took it because I didn't want to ship back to Arizona. That was like five hundred bucks just in shipping. But anyway, so he took it up to Maine, Bangor, Maine, and it got a snow load on it. And that was not, you know, and plus we didn't bolt it that, but we did pins, you know, just to kind of make it temporary. So it will, if it goes any kind of super weight on that and you got any looseness in the joints, it doesn't like it. Now, when you started bolting it together, what do you use to bolt it together? So I use, I use half inch uh, grade five bolts. Um. So, for example, for that, that I don't know, in those pictures, there's that big beam for the second floor. That beam weighed 3,500 pounds. Um, and we, we hooked, we got those eye nuts, hooked them up to the bolts on the frame, two bolts on the frame, and we were able to hoist that whole beam up, that 3,500-pound beam off two bolts. Wow. Okay, what he's talking about is... Um... You have the threads that will come through the holes where they overlap that make a hub. And if you look at these, imagine you have a thread, a threaded bolt that goes through that hub. Then what do you do? You take and you put an eye on it. It screws on. It has like a little eye. So it's just like, a, I don't know. How would you describe it, Bob? It's like a nut with a ring on it. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's got a, it's a hole. Okay. So you hook it to it like you can put hammocks in there or something like that. You took one side and the other side, and you hoisted up a 3,500-pound beam. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to hold something. So you're good. Yeah. Okay. So the I'm interested because a three-phase, if you bolt it tight and you get it bigger, which is why, because we didn't have it tight, because we just had it, you know, a pin that was, you know, a little whatever. So it it... it, it when you cinch it down and you make it to where those hubs are solid, it changes. It turns into a rock. I mean, it's it's like a thing. It ain't going anywhere, okay? Unless you get a big giant microburst and it starts sliding across the desert. But the um, uh, this rigid frame that you have, when you push on, because it sticks out, like you'll see one of those big stars, if you push on the middle, it's pushing right on the stresses go straight on that strut and it's trying to compress it. It's all in compression. So it's almost impossible to, to bend that in. I, I don't know how much pressure it would take, but wind doesn't affect it. I guess. How does the wind affect? It? I mean, does it just go around it? Have you done smoke tests in a wind tunnel kind of blowing and you go out there with a, flare or something i mean you know with a a smoke grenade you know just to see how it goes over it what's your experience there i haven't but that'd be a that'd be a cool thing to do but i know it's a good idea it's it's a it's really aerodynamic i mean the the wind essentially goes over and around it no problem um but you don't want to get under it no 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 under it and it's like a parachute (laughs) yeah we we found that out (laughs) yeah yeah don't do that. Yeah, Bob warned me. I know, Bob. Shut up. I already feel yeah, you. Yeah, they, they spill the wind really well <laughs> if you do it right. But the um, <laughs> so this um, fabric, you're saying it goes through it, 
it gets kind of sticks to the uh, the strut, and the other side. Do you see the fabric, and when you spray it, it sticks to the fabric, or does the material go through it, and you're spraying it on the foam? So the um, so the fabric, I'm spraying right to the outside of it, and it kind of bleeds. You, you'll still sort of see the fabric on the inside, but the foam itself bleeds through that fabric and expands. Um, uh, so it, uh, okay, you know, it, it becomes pretty much one with the foam. Uh, which is really nice. So is there a sticky when you spray the inside with the foam on the foam, does it dissolve it and meld or blend in some way nope. or it's just, no, but just adheres. Yeah. Because so the foam is a, is essentially a resin because it's two parts. So you've got your resin side and then you've got your hardener. And so when they mix together, it, it creates a chemical reaction and they, they t- it turns into a whole nother product. It's um it's essentially like spraying out plastic. <clears throat> yeah, you never got any of that like quick foam on your hands or anything. It's impossible to get off. It'll stick right. to anything. Yeah, do you wear spacesuits? Yeah, I do. Um do now. Especially <laughs> if I'm spraying inside, I wear a whole a whole suit with a, a flow hood and everything. Okay. So let's go through the next picture. Yeah, see this is a good picture. You design all this before you even get going. By how much you kind of get a rough idea of what you want to do and you kind of customize it when you get to it? Or do you kind of, well, I think I want a window there. I think I want a window there. I got how much on the fly is there with this? So the windows work best in certain places and so do the doors. Um, so we, we, we plan the doors to be, um, so like on a, um, on a, 3v dome like this one um you've got your you know you've got the two long struts and then a short strut on the bottom so you got your two c's and then your b the doors work best in a b space i don't know if that's makes sense no but... i understand well i can do this for the audience when you go to these three phase domes you have these different shapes so like this shape right here it has you know a equal distant struts that go around the outside these are the b's you have a see a's are the small ones it's this right here you know these are the a's then the b's are the ones that frame this big these are long struts the c's and these b's are ones that go around that and they go around these so you have five of these that go around the dome and this is the only like straight flat area that you have. That's why we put our little serving windows there. And then, but this is where we put the door. You put a vertical here and a vertical here, and then you get a door. You know, that's you know mm-hmm. basically what we do. I'm sure you're doing something like that. And um, yep. so this is, and then of course that, um, what do you call that? These five is what a pentagon, right? Right, pentagon, yeah, yeah, pentagon and hexagons. The pentagon at the top is usually where you do a skylight. Now this big one, you have one of these big ones right here, you know, or something like that, and then that's where you yeah. put your big window and stuff like that. But my question is, is when we did three phase on uh, sixteen foot. Now let me go back to the calculator, and you go four phase. You see. It's more dense. 
It has more struts and at more different sizes. Even though it's called four phase, it has one, two, three, four, five. Oh my God, is it seven? No, wait a minute. One, two, three, six sizes, A through F. And some of them are almost identical. If I go 15 foot to make a 30 foot dome and I go submit, you'll see some of these are very 4.42, 4.41. Gag me with a forklift. You know, these are so close to each other, but you got to get them as exact as possible or it don't work. 4.47, 4.41, 4.42. Oh my God. You know, so you go to four phase, it's a lot denser, it's a lot stronger, it's a lot, lot, lot. But when you went with the three phase and you did the foam, you're like, what would the difference be with the four phase? Not necessary? Um, well, you know, even though I was building my house, I kind of wanted to experiment with how long I could get the structs and still have a strong, a strong dome. So, um, I th- this one was really successful. Uh, I think it worked really well. You know, you, you couldn't build a greenhouse, for example, with shade cloth on it with these longest struts because they will bend. But with the strength of the foam, it's it's totally fine to have your struts that long. Okay, so four phase is for, yeah, if you don't have the support of the foam or it's encased and you're just covering it or something, you probably better go to four phase. You know, then- right. So yeah, it's all it's all application. You know, and then also the four phases are only half domes. So we really wanted the five ace, the the height, so that we could get that second floor in there. Uh really? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. It shows right here. I did not. You know, I never knew that. You know, here it has <laughs> dome and sphere. So the dome. This is actually four eighths of a dome is half here. Where when you go with the three-phase dome, half is in the middle here. So these are called five-eighths when you go all this. And then three-eighths is up here. I did not know that. How did I not know that? Because I'm not Kyle. Okay. So here when you go to five, so I guess half is when it's even um, even numbers and odd numbers. It has a five-eighths. Yep. Ah, see how smart I am? Oh. Okay, so then you go six and it's half. Okay. okay. And that's what my big dome is, is the six. Yeah, damn. We're going to talk about that, too. Did you know that, Bob? The five and three-eighths in sphere? I did not. You did not. So I'm not the only moron. Okay, so here we go back to these. We got to get through these before you go, man, because we got to get through these. All right. Now, between these two pictures, the only difference is you put on the foam, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is a double door here. Yeah, it's a, it's a sliding door. Yep. Where is this? This is uh, out the back or? Yeah, that's the back door. So this is where, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you guys were, your wife was making dinner and kids and all. We didn't go into the kitchen and dissect it. But, you know, I would like to have seen, what was your... Um, uh, thought process and doing the kitchen and having rounded areas. Does it seem more ergonomic? Because I had a restaurant and I would have loved to keep it in a circle, man, because it's just more ergonomic and doing stuff, especially cooking. So this, um, what's your thought process of where you put the kitchen and should it go up against a flat wall or not? 
Well, we, you know, my wife actually designed the whole floor plan. So she, she does typically when we're figuring out domes for um, clients as well, she'll do the floor plan with them. And then I, I build whatever they decide on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, I like that the counters are kind of curved around it. It makes a lot of sense and it's, it works really well for us. Yeah. James um, and then like we, that. We've got like a little, uh, little Island as well. Um, island table so and it fits well in the triangular type space you know okay when you you do have flat areas you know flat walls and maybe we'll get to that here directly but the flat walls are part of the structure inside we'll get into the loft and all that now when you went to the second level of spray foaming you just screwed the fabric to the bottom part attached it to i guess twist tied loop zip tied whatever the heck to the to the struts up top zip ties you use those a lot zip ties yep <laughs> yep yeah, yeah I was there's also fighter. there's uh there's these metal or uh, uh plastic clips that you can get um that clip over the bars and uh and that i utilize that quite a bit as well did you have to do so they, any of this in the wind yes it was it was rough <laughs> I wouldn't even have tried, man. What a pain in the butt. All right. Well, yeah. so you, you put this up, you sprayed it, then you go to the next. Now, why is it white underneath and then the gold at the top? So the, the foam, the only weakness of the foam is sun. So um, you've got to get it painted within 70, 72 hours. Really? That'll just start yep. to powder up? Okay, so you do that. Yeah, well, it, yeah, and it, it takes a it takes quite a bit of time before it'll actually start to powder. But um you know that if that outside layer of the foam starts to break down in the sun, then you don't get real good paint adhesion either. So Yeah, so you know, paint it right away. Building building code says you have to paint it within seventy two hours. I mean, truly you could probably get away with a week, but you know, it's not ideal. Oh, uh, we ain't <laughs> even got to this building code thing and the uh, code cheese that we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. So here we have, uh, it's kind of mostly sprayed and you got it going on. At what point do you start to feel how much more rigid it makes it? How much more rigid? Um, pretty much right away. I mean, you know, you start putting it on the walls and it, it already starts to feel like you're building a lot of solid, solid walls because you know, as I'm going, I'm laying the ladder right on it. Um, and then, you know, it's got a little flex in it until you spray that inside, the inside layer. Once you got that inside layer in there, it's it's incredibly strong. It it sure as heck seemed it. It was thick, too, man. I, I was like, damn. Now, when you put this stuff on, is it um, stretchy? It's like putting on pantyhose. Describe this fabric, how it conforms to the shape. It's, it's a pretty, um, it doesn't really stretch. It doesn't really give it's, it's more, it's four tensile strength. So, um, yeah, no, it's a little tricky to, to form it around the dome. Uh, it's, it's not like easy to stretch around. Oh, so it's more like uh, a fiberglass or something. Yeah. What if yeah was- so you're essentially taking, you got to take tucks and, and just take the slack out with, uh, you know, with zip ties or something. What if the basalt mesh would work? Yeah. I mean, you know, pretty much anything to catch that foam would work. Um, 
Well, we yes, did. I, I had a bunch of it on hand, so <laughs> well, that was a good reason. We did. We yep. tried um, nylon meshes, fiberglass meshes, and basalt meshes, and we had the five millimeter square basalt mesh. It was. Uh, I liked the way it was kind of stiff, and it laid really well, and it was good corners, and I really liked it. But it was, you know, more expensive. But, you know, it also, the reason that we were doing it, if we we're going to use aircrete, which is one of our original things we were testing, uh, because it's rock, it's basalt, I mean, it's stone made like fiberglass, it has the same expansion contraction as concrete. So it would, mm-hmm. we thought it produced less cracks. And But really, it was so easy to lay and to get tight and to have it, it, it really worked well for forming. But this stuff... Because it was kind of stiff, this is not stiff. It's more like a like a fabric, like um, I don't know, a thin fiberglass or so. What's it like? It's a it's a poly it's a poly fabric. I believe it's poly ethylene or I something. I have that wrong. But yeah, it's you know it's essentially it's made to be a roofing fabric. So the the paint will bleed. It's almost like a dryer sheet. I mean, if you like a thick dryer sheet. Got it. Okay. So it's it's not it's not like it's gonna give any one direction or the other. It's it's pretty much wants to wants to stay square. But it's porous. Um, but it's porous. Well, yeah. it's porous because it's porous, or is it porous because it's screened? It's like so. If you if you look real closely at it, it's it's got a square screen grid pattern with what looks like like a dryer sheet over it. So that so it's poly- a little bit of a combination. It's an interesting, interesting product. You can you can buy rolls of it at you know Home Depot. Um, okay, well, that's good to know. I'll go check that crap out. I think out. you get like a three three hundred foot roll for for a hundred bucks. Now, one thing I didn't see as you form the overhangs on the windows and doors. When you look mm-hmm. at here, I don't see any overhang or window or door, you know, over the door. But when I go, so to- I, I added those later on. Um, the door, this front door, I did it to right away. Hey! One man, one goal. Ha! One mission, one heart, one soul. Just one solution. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not afraid! Welcome back 
to declare your independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're talking with a gentleman named Kyle Gundelach. Now, he owns Promise Farm, and he's a general contractor, but he also does alternative home builds in Cochise County in southeastern Arizona, where they have an opt-out for building permits. You can go in and say, I opt-out. I, I want to get a permit to not get any more permits. So so there's a lot of alternative building down there with different materials, different equipment, different uh, building materials. It's just amazing what has been accomplished there when you just leave people alone. Freedom's the answer. Well, that's a question. Now, he has been a go-to source for building geodesic domes. What he does is he puts up the geodesic frames, which we have the machines for making. We've done dozens of domes and you know, for various different uses. But what he's done is he takes and he sprays it with a $50,000 used plus a bunch of other equipment and compressors and uh, generators and stuff that you need to have a business. He's a contractor that sprays this uh, two-part foam on the frame boom house in like a couple of days it's it quality strength it's amazing that's what we're talking about we just want to make sure you're inspired with a lot of the opportunities and the various alternative methods that are out there and i think you find this interesting let's give it a listen it's like so if you if you look real closely at it it's it's got a square screen grid pattern with what looks like like a dryer sheet over it, so that so it's poly- a little bit of a combination. It's an interesting interesting product. You can you can buy rolls of it, at, you know, Home Depot. Okay, um, that's good to know. I'll go check that crap out. I think out. you get like a three three hundred foot roll for for a hundred bucks. Now, one thing I didn't see as you form the overhangs on the windows and doors. When you look mm-hmm. at here, I don't see any overhang or window or door. You know, over the door. But when I go, so to- I, I added those later on. Um, the door, this front door, I did it to right away. Um, but all the windows and were done actually quite a bit later. Um, and what I ended up doing is I just uh, I drilled a hole in the foam and stuck rebar in it, and then uh, I used um, PEX tubing that I had left over to make the arch and stretch fabric over it and sprayed it. Um, and uh, and they're strong enough to you know I can get up and on top of them and jump around on them. <laughs> wow! So you took like this window that's up here, uh, the big window that's up to the left there, that's kind of facing you or whoever's standing on the dome over there. That has when you're done, we'll get a picture later. Has a big eyelid over it. Now I'm sure that the way you had it. You know, in the summer, it shades it from the sun, and in the winter, it lets the sun come in or something, right? So yeah. you, you had to figure that out. So you just took a drilled, like, four inches into the foam, placed a eight-inch piece of rebar or something, and put a PEX over it and kind of looped it, and then started building from that. How did you How did you get the inside? Was it chicken wire or more conduit? No, or- I... I- I didn't go deep enough to get to the inside. I, I literally only went in about an inch to two inches uh, when I drilled. It's So the foam just sticks to itself really well, or it'll, it sticks to paint really well. So I completely depended on the foam for structure, not, not the steel at all. <laughs> wow. Now, we did make an arch, a uh, porch on a 22-foot dome. A lot of the audience has seen it. 
We had a 22-foot dome that we took a PVC 20-foot piece, and we had two windows up front and a door, you know, and a a four-phase. And we ran it to where it went over both windows and the door so I didn't have to do the lid. So it kind of made like a baseball cap. That angle Mm kind of stuck out. And then we put, you know, uh, rebar that went out. And I was afraid, and it, and it kind of cantilevered over the door frame. And I was kind of afraid that it was going to be too heavy with the concrete and everything. We had it probably like five inches of concrete, you know, cement as we were putting it on by hand. And we're three of us out there walking on it. I mean, you know, it was not going to go anywhere. So I can see that this would be, but you're saying the structure of it was just the foam. Now, from the end uh, when you look at the lid, from the end of the lid, the peak of the tip of the brim down to the dome, what filled that in? Fabric? Yeah. That was it? Yep, that's it. Wow. Okay. Says Kyle, man. He did it. All <laughs> right. So, so like this door here that has that little overlap, that, that shading that goes over that wind, I mean, the uh, rain diverter or whatever you call that um that was the same thing you just kind of did a pex around there and then blended the fabric in with the dome and sprayed it yep wow is there any forming to it makes it real easy do you do any (laughs) forming by hand or shaving it or sanding it or anything no just spray spray carefully you know and that's that was pretty much you know all right. Okay. Now, this is done and painted. And you got it. Well, this doesn't look like a paint. This is what, that Flex Seal that's, or something? That's actually, that, that's actually that roof coat elastomeric. I had a bunch um, I had a bunch left over, so I just bought a little more and uh, and uh, finished it off. That was our – that we used that as a primer coat at the time. Okay. Now, the brown or the, the – I don't know – what do you the Sedona red color, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. This here is that the same type of material? Yeah, so that's that is a it's it's not a roof coat. It's a um bear makes a wall coat elastomeric that is tintable. It's it's lifetime warranty for horizontal surfaces um or vertical surfaces, not horizontal surfaces. So I you know, it's still it's I guess we'll see how it holds up on the roof, but um, but on the walls it should do great. Yeah, no, I I thought it was, I thought it was really nice, and it was a good choice of color too for the area. So here you started getting. Now this is before you put your eyelid over your big window, and, um, mm-hmm. and I guess you had the windows what you didn't want covered, just covered with tape and paper or whatever, and then uh, you know peeled that off. And it just molded. You could do freaking anything. So you just did regular door frames you put in there and then hung regular doors and you're done. Yep. All right. So we'll just take some pictures of this. Okay, the crew. All right. Now, when you (laughs) built this, how much help did you have? Or did they just come over for doing your planners? So what we do, we we, uh, my wife actually started it. We, We have a group of homesteaders um and we get together twice a month and we work on somebody's homestead um and we just knock out big projects so this it was our turn (laughs) this day 
and see that wall that everybody's standing on? Yep. Um, we we put that earth bag wall around the entire house uh, in three and a half hours. I think we had 30 people show up. Awesome. Three and a half hours, and that's what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's at least eight layers. Yeah. It's waist high, so it's probably, what, three feet or so. Oh, my God. Now, I saw what you had done. This is like curved wall that goes around, and you filled it with dirt, and it was a planter. I mean, you have like a garden around around all of your dome. Right. So instead of putting – so I, I can build foam gutters um, on the domes, but instead of doing that for this one, we just built our gardens right around the house, and all the water falls off the house into our garden beds. Yeah, you don't even have to store it. It's a direct go-to. You Open know? up All the right. kitchen window and pick some sprouts. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. You just opened the window right into the garden. That's a good eye and did. Okay, now <laughs> one of the things is when you uh, have water, I, I guess you have experience, if not on this home, maybe others, is that if you're looking to collect rainwater on a dome, how would you do that? So... You know, we, it's a similar method to how we, we put the brows over the, the doors and windows, except uh, it's going the other direction. So we, you drill a shallow hole, stick rebar in, and it kind of it kind of V's up, and then stretch fabric around and spray it, and it uh it makes like a foam gutter. And then um, if you want to collect drinking water off the domes, everything above the gutter has to be like a silicone paint because the silicone Silicone paint is um, drinking water safe, and it's lifetime warranty. But uh, so there's a silicone you, paint that you know reacts similar to this this elastomeric stuff. Yeah, so it's a lot more expensive though. So like, and it's not tintable. So you know, the silicone paint comes either tan or white, um, but it doesn't break down at all. So you can you can safely drink the water coming off the roof. Whereas the elastomeric you will get residue of the elastomeric coming off in your water continually, so it's not um, not considered potable. So if you had some kind of a, I don't know, a design for doing a gutter and you kind of, because we got a lot of different ideas. We showed you our kind of design. We had a lot of ideas for this. The one thing to keep in mind is you need a silicone-based paint above the gutter to make sure that you're not poisoning yourself. Right. I mean, if you're using it for plants and stuff, it doesn't matter. But if you're if you're planning on drinking it, it you know, silicone's the way to go. <laughs> All right. I don't want to die. Okay. Now the inside, it looks here that before you actually sprayed the foam on the inside, you started building the floors. I mean, the second right. story. Why? Yep. So um, I didn't want to have to try to make the the floorboards perfectly match the foam um so so yeah we built the the second floor first and it's kind of a freestanding unit and then when i foamed the inside i could take the foam right down and and actually contact the floorboards and everything and it locks it all in and makes it real solid oh so the foam so the floors didn't rest on any of the outside structure no so you got it. So like, you can see all the posts there, and it's all all the weight is just just sitting on those posts. It's freestanding. Yep. Wow. And then you you know kind of taped it or covered it, and then 
you know, spray foam the inside and it just covered. So the foam is your baseboard or do you have baseboards? Um, I found uh, that you can take, um, I don't know if you've seen that PVC trim. If you use the PVC trim and a heat gun, you can get it to mold and form around all the all the bases. Um, so that's, oh, that's what I do. Oh, I didn't think of that. PVC, it's like a, you know, one-by trim, however, design, extruded, whatever, but it's PVC. It's kind of a plastic like the PVC, and if you heat it, then it'll kind of just form to whatever shape is what you're saying. Yep. Oh, I didn't yep. think of that. That's a good idea. did. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Okay, now what's your is this your wife? Yep. Okay, so what's she doing? She's just trimming all the wood so you don't screw it up. So right there she's putting masking paper, yeah, over all the over the beam because we wanted the beam exposed. So, um just to make sure we don't get foam on it. Did you make that beam or did you order that beam cuz that's a beam? I ordered it. It's it's 35 foot long. Um <laughs> Damn. It's uh it's six and a half inches wide and thirteen and a quarter inches tall. So it's it's a big it's a big boy. Damn, that's that's damn. Okay, now this is the underneath of the floor that you created, you know, to provide yeah. for the second floor. Now you foamed the bottom of that. Yeah, so I sprayed an open cell foam in there. Um which is a whole different thing. It's not structural at all, but it's a, uh, it's a really good sound barrier. And since my kids were going to be up in the second floor, I didn't want to be hearing them banging on the floor all the time. So that's why you did it. It's just for sound abatement. Yep, exactly. Okay. Yeah. You're a dad. All right. I get it. The, um, <laughs> I, I just learned to tune them out, man. I just don't care. Whatever, you know, turn the TV volume up. All right. So now then you have a stairway you have are these full storage rooms, bedrooms? How big are these rooms on the second floor? Yeah, so there's a there's a full bathroom upstairs, and there's two bedrooms, and then a closet. Well, how big are these bedrooms up there? Um, they're not huge. They're probably oh, I'd say about a hundred square foot, maybe a little more, hundred sixty. So like you know, yeah, ten by ten. 10 by 15. So that's a good size. So that's big yeah. enough for a kid. I mean, you know, so yeah. are they up there? Yeah. My kids live up, up in the, the second floor. I saw right now they're, they're sleeping out in the tree house I built, but <laughs> well, of course they are the, uh, you're such a dad. All right. So the one thing I saw is you had like a classroom downstairs. It looked like there yeah. was, you built a classroom there. And then what are we looking at here? Um, I think those are the kitchen windows right there. Okay. Um, so that's before all the cabinets and everything went in. Okay. Now to conform to the cabinets and so on, like you didn't want to have the floor upstairs, you had to integrate it into the wall or to the struts or whatever. Did you do the same kind of thing with the cabinets? Did you do wood tops? Uh, did you cement tops or granite tops or how, how did you build and customize the kitchen? So what we did is we, we went, we actually put the bases in after, after the inside foam and everything. And then, um, we used a plywood and we did a resin countertop. So the plywood, what we did, well, actually we, um, we can just take a pulse off and you lay the board on the, on the cabinets and you can just kind of 
cut the line, just laying the the soft flat on the on the plywood, and it it scores all your foam, and you can you can just carve out you know the three quarter inch or whatever your plywood is that your your foam's gonna or that your you know the thickness of your wood, and it'll slide right back into the foam. That way, it still doesn't have to be cut totally perfect. It's you know it's a little bit more fine work, but um. Well, do you have a backsplash or anything, or? No, so it's it just goes foam. straight into the foam. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. Now, Bob's going to go here in a little bit. You got any other questions you wanted to make sure or comment? No, not really. It's uh, you know, it's 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 interesting to talk to someone who's actually done the price comparison for the covering because that's always been the the issue is what what to cover the dome with. Right. And we always thought the foam yeah, was so expensive. <laughs> It's it's a little expensive, but it's effective. And then you know when you your R value is so high, it's the most efficient building you can you can get as well. So you know in the long run you're saving a lot in that that sense. Okay, now you do solar, but you had electricity. Yep. Are you on the grid too, or no, or what? Um, so I started on the grid, and then um, and then I eventually uh, put up enough solar so where I could disconnect from the grid so tell us about your energy usage for heating and cooling there because you're one thing i didn't know and where you're at cochise county there is like five thousand square uh five thousand feet it's like like yeah you know it gets yeah we're we're right at forty five hundred feet okay so your energy usage is what less little none you know what do you think um, you know, so it's, I, I don't know if you saw in the pictures, I, I did geothermal, um, uh, water pipes in my floor. Yes, I did. I wanted to ask you about that. When you did your, uh, pad, you had put down, tell us what you did and your footer, how you laid your ground, your vapor barrier, the raising of the PEX pipe for heating the floor, everything go. Okay, so I did pretty much a traditional um, stem wall um, and footer. And then um, uh, what I, I, let's see, I filled, I filled, the backfilled my stem wall with um, AB and I sprayed two inches of foam down on top of that. And then set up all my my rebar for my slab, and uh, and attached all the the geothermal tubing to that. So it's half inch PEX. They're three hundred foot loops, um, and you know it works really well with with solar because in the daytime when I when I've got plenty of power, um, you know my batteries are all topped off by by noon. I can start dumping all that that energy into heating my floor. So I've got, um, everything's electric. My water heater is electric. My oven's electric. Everything's electric. Um, well, what's the kilowatts you have in production? I mean, you're, you have how many kilowatts of solar panels? I've got 12 kilowatts of solar panel and, uh, and I've got, you know, 800, 800 amp hours of battery at 48 volts. Whoa. Okay, but I'm running. Um, I'm running welders, press machine. Um, 
I've got a three horsepower well pump that runs, you know, the farm. And so I, I use a lot of power. Um, but the, the cool thing with the, the geothermal is I can start dumping heat into it at noon to four, you know, after my batteries are already topped off and before, before the, the sun starts going down and, um, and the heat doesn't really start radiating out of the floor until about 10 o'clock at night. So then, you know, it actually gets a little, you know, it's, it's such an efficient house that it can get a little warm at 10, 10 at night, but then, you know, as the temperature starts dropping outside, it gets, it gets pretty comfortable. And then I, I don't really need to supplement with heat after that because, you know, uh, that, that floor, that slab's already heated. So I've got all that geothermal, you know, the, all that um, thermal mass built up. So the suggestion you're making to everybody, to me, we build our dome, however we wind up doing it. The main thing is make sure you have a heated slab for your excess electricity not to go to waste. And then in the evening, because that's one thing, a lot of people, when they say you live in the desert and there is, oh my God, it's so hot, it's so hot, it's so hot. Yeah, it's hot. But one of the things you really got to worry about is in the winter and at night, it's freaking cold. You know, you, I remember talking to a yeah. lot of people in Arizona, they spend more mental energy and physical effort worrying about and taking care of being warm than they do cool. You know, uh, how does that relate to you? Oh. Roads? It's the Ernest Hancock Show. Where we're going, there aren't any roads. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network on Genesis. We're continuing the conversation with Kyle Gundelach. He has a contractor's license. He's out of Cochise County, southeastern Arizona, and he happens to be in a county that allows for an opt-out. You can get a permit to not get any more permits he has a building technique using geodesic domes sprayed with foam and boom very fast high quality highly insulated very strong and we are continuing the conversation so the suggestion you're making to everybody to me we build our dome however we wind up doing it the main thing is make sure you have a heated slab for your excess electricity not to go to waste and then in the evening. Because that's one thing. A lot of people, when they say you live in the desert and they're like, oh, my God, it's so hot, it's so hot, it's so hot. Yeah, it's hot. But one of the things you really got to worry about is in the winter and at night, it's freaking cold, you know? you. I remember talking to a yeah. lot of people in Arizona. They spend more mental energy and physical effort worrying about and taking care of being warm than they do cool. You know, uh, how does that relate to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I moved to Arizona because I, I don't like the cold. Um, and, and yeah, you know, actually our first year out here, we didn't realize <laughs> how cold it got. We moved out here um, in a tent. We, we had nothing. You know, it's just me and my wife. We, uh, we traveled around in a pickup truck for a year before we settled on Arizona. So, you know, we, we showed up in, I think it was November in a tent. And it got down to zero degrees uh, the second night we were here, and, uh, and yeah, we just didn't realize uh, what what it was like in the high desert. Well, what brought you to Arizona Cochise was the opt out option for building homes. You know, we we had a limited amount of money. I had a tax return 
to make a down payment on property and uh we were looking for cheap land we didn't actually know about the opt-out permit yet um and we just we just landed in the perfect place pretty much by accident wow that's you know you're do do you find that you're common you know because i find that you know i would think that more people young wanting to freaking just breathe in and out on a regular basis, uh, not too hot, not too cold, not too wet, not too dry, not too hungry, not too thirsty. I got a piece of land to do it, and you do it, and you spend some time every day on doing it, and you did it, you know, and and there are other people your age not doing that because why? You know, it, it's getting more and more common. Um, you know, when we first got out here, I felt like we were the only ones doing it, and I, and I think we kind of were. Um, but now there's such a community of people doing it. And, it, you know, you saw all those people that came for our work group. Yeah. Um, and now people, people are inviting their friends to come do that. And they're moving here for that because of the community that we have. So it's, it's contagious. It's spreading. People are seeing the freedom that it brings and, uh, and it's spreading. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Well, tell us real quick before you go about your wife uh, creating this community thing as a Instagram, Facebook uh, community billboard BBS of hello flag up a pole something. How's that work? You know, we we decided to have a meeting about about starting some kind of a work group, and uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if she posted it maybe on Facebook, but you know, I think most of it was spread by word of mouth. Cause we, we told a couple people, this is what we want to do. We set the date and, uh, you know, sent out a, a mass text to, you know, the people that we, we thought would be interested. And we had, I think we had 25 people show up the first, the first time, wow. uh, just to talk about doing it. And there were people we had never met before showing up. So it was, it was really encouraging. And then, uh, every work group that we've done have, has, I think them, you know, we, we take a break for the summer because the summer is so rough. But um, every work group not in the middle of summer, we've had at least 20 to 30 people show up. And how long is it? You get a big Amish we, barn raisin and then a, uh, everybody, you know, somebody builds sandwiches. I mean, you know, how does that work? Yeah, we we start in the morning and the host the host provides lunch. Um, and uh, And then we all. So we work till about noon, one o'clock and then, and then, uh, take a break and we all eat together and then go our separate ways. Okay. Now this, we're looking at the flooring here. Do you use some leveling kind of mix or is it just more layers? How, how do you do your own slabs? So this, this actually was the first attempt at making an aircrete slab. So that whole slab, that's, that's the dome that's the aircrete dome slab and that's all aircrete. It's a, I used extra sand in the mix, but, um, how'd that work? Out? And then I, it, it worked out surprisingly well, um, better than I thought, honestly. Um, and then what I ended up doing is coating that thin layer on top that I'm putting on there is closer to like a mortar mix. It's, uh, I think it's three part sand and one part Portland. Yeah, I, I've been up to Aircrete Harry's. And then it Harry's. just gives that uh, a nice hard shell. That's how Aircrete Harry does it up in Trinidad, Colorado. You know, I've seen him do it. He just dumps Aircrete oh, into a form, and then he puts like a quarter inch 
of harder stuff on top of it, you know. So I, I was wondering if that's what you did. So that, that seemed to have worked for him. Okay, let's get through these. Um, yeah. Yeah, we got – that's the dome that you put on. That was the Air Crete one. Yeah, we went through this. You know, this has been awesome, you know, Kyle. Thanks for spending so much time with me. Now, what I want people to know is that I asked Kyle, I said, all right, Kyle, I, you know, if I need, uh, you know, I, I, I know the answer is always yes. It's just how much, you know, but I, I build everything. <laughs> I get it all set. I get my stuff done. You know, you come out and you just spray it and boom, you're done. If you were to spray uh, your home again and you know what you know now and you had the wire frame done for you, how long would it take for you to do it? So I can spray, you know, as far as the roof coat goes, I can spray um, about 2,000 square feet, a little more in a day. Um, so my house would take two days uh, on, for the outside shell. And then on the inside, I could spray it in probably a day and a half. So less than a week. I got it there. I say, oh, yeah. all right, come on up. Boom. Pop it out in a week, yeah. and everybody sit back and watch you do it. Yeah, pretty much. It'll help you kind of, you know, hose you off or something. Okay. So, yeah, move, is, move the hoses around on the ground for me. <laughs> hey, man, you know, it's always you need somebody to do something. All right. Now, yep. doing this, you know, I wanted to give people an idea that is this permittable in some other areas that don't have the opt out? Or is that like, nope, not allowed. You can't do it. That's too easy. People would be able to live and stuff. You're not allowed. You know, how does that work? So uh, you just have to get it engineered, um, which I haven't had to go down that route yet. Everybody so far has gone through the opt-out permit. Um, I have a group of people that got the, um, they want the land permit or uh, land patent route. So I don't know if you know about that. Yeah. But you know that you know i'm not sure how effective that is i guess we'll find out has um, anybody been successful in that i hear about it all the time done a bunch of shows with it had guys on from oregon that everybody's man we go bring the patent forward and doing kind of yeah who's done it you know you know anybody that's done it uh you know well once i spray this dome up for these people uh i'll know somebody but um essentially you know what i told them is like i'll i'll do it um, but I'm going to put a clause in the invoice that says you're responsible for permitting. Uh, that way <laughs> I'm covered with my license and everything, but you know, I can do it and, and they can, they can fight it. You know, if, uh, if anybody comes Woo! after them for it, I'm a fighter, man, get what fur, you know, so I have some fun with that, but the, um, uh, doing the actual, uh, for outside, of Cochise and people want this done, you'll do it. You don't care. You know, I mean, you'll, right. you'll pay me. I'll do what you want. But the, um, yep. when you say structural engineering, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something down on you here. All right. Pay attention. You ready? Here it goes. We have supporters that support the concept of occupy the land of us being doing this and making a thing out of it. Because I can see when they go, You'll own nothing, and here's your happy shot. You know what they're talking yeah. about is land. They don't want you right. to be able to do exactly what your family is doing. Here is a young right. family 
that is homeschooling their own children. They're growing their own food. They got a 68-foot dome. They're creating an aquaponics with trout of feeding the planet. And, oh, my God, might even have surplus and make money. Oh, did I say that out loud? You made money. (laughs) Then you have a construction business doing this. You're an inspiration for people doing it. You got 20, 30 people come every couple of weeks. You guys go and you're doing You are the freaking enemy to they, them, those, okay? That won't leave us alone. (laughs) You're so freaking not allowed. But... This is ex- why I wanted to talk to you because you represent exactly what we're you know, supporting that you're already doing. It's just Cochise County, not Maricopa. Now, I'm in Maricopa because that's where grandkids are. That's the way it is, okay? Now, the thing is, is that when you talk about structural injury, we have a couple of architects. We have supporters. We have friends. We have this. We've been talking about it since 08. What is that? Got 15 years that we've been you know, toying with this, and now... Here we go. We're purchasing land. We thought we were getting a 20-acre spot that we really liked, and then we're in bidding war with something. Then we find out right by it, same kind, for 40 acres, for same price. I go, you know, I vote that one, okay? So then we have area for other people. We got family. We got, you know, so there is support for structural engineering. Right. If you'll work with us, and you want to have, and you find the people and the whatever, I can help with resources. I might even be able to help. Now, in Washington State, when we did a prototype and we were doing this, we did get structural engineer to sign off on what we had done up there. He's like, oh, yeah, man, you're fine. All you got to do is make sure you get a, a 12-inch footer, and you're good. I mean, the way you got it, and that thing ain't going nowhere. Now, of course, it was cement, so, you know, that was one thing. But the right. um, you come up with the design or whatever it is that you want to submit or you want, because we have one of the architects is in San Diego and one is in Tucson. The one in Tucson is very familiar with doing Adobe restoration of old homes so that they can restore them from back in the day that's been whatever. So with hyper Adobe and that kind of stuff, you know, she can work with that, but also this. So if you will supply or have the structural that you you want help. I got some resources to make sure that we can get structural engineering for what you're talking about. Are you wanting to work with us? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, let's do it. So you let me (laughs) know. I'm going to be busy until I can't really wait, man. I mean, we're, we're rocking and rolling on this. Whatever we can get started now and find if you know someone. Because anybody that I've contacted on this, some of these architectural firms, oh, yeah, we're in 50 states and so many countries of whatever. Got All right, well, I need structural on this. Well, I, I'm not sure I want to. Okay, shut up. So you find someone that's willing to work with us or a structural engineer that sometimes you have some of your suppliers or like your um, – uh, the actual components for the foam, they're like, oh, yeah, we've been looking for someone to do, and, you know, we'll be in, and we'll sponsor, or we know somebody, or we – I'm your point guy. I want to help because we got resources okay. to do this. So you can help me Great. out where to start, who to start talking to. Then we got a team that's going to jump on it like a dude bug with ducks going after <laughs> it, okay? So – yeah, I. I might even have a name of an engineer who might be willing to take it on. So um, somebody just talked to me about it the other day, and so they think they found somebody who would be willing to take it on. So, 
Waiting on you now, okay? So I'm just so this is you can see from our perspective that this is important to me. We've been working on right. this since freaking forever. You know, this has been something that we've done since you know fifteen years ago that we started thinking about this and sharing with people exactly the same kind of stuff that you're doing. But we've been busy. You know, we just didn't have time. And we got bunch of pictures of 15 gazillion different dome projects that we've done and stuff and this one you know so people can see uh you by the land this is what we are building in our land here in maricopa county now i get this design and i build all the struts i have the machine to make this i got the design for how to do the hallways i got the design to design to design okay i do this and I say, come up and spray it. The answer is yes, it's just how much. I mean, you know, we do it. Hell, it might be worth me buying a damn machine. But if I <laughs> can get this to be able to be um, engineered so that I got the man off my butt, not that I freaking care, but to have this option just to say we did and to provide this for people to be able to have places not to be homeless. And the thing is for young families yeah. to do this at a price that does not include a million dollar bill that has a mortgage that they got the vampire squid of the banks on their face for the rest of their life, that they can have, you know, start to build equity in their life and raising their children and not have this enormous expense that's there because of government permits, because they want the contractors to make the money, because the developers don't want you doing it yourself. And Arizona's got enough freaking desert. I'm like, are you kidding me? So (laughs) I am doing this out of a philosophical thing in addition to what I want and the promise I made to my wife. So you are my new best friend, okay? <laughs> so if you have... Now, a lot of inspiration from Green Dream, Tiny Shiny, My Little Homestead, all these people, the creative people in your area, because they have this opt-out, I'm really focusing on that. We have a whole other project that you know I'll tell you about later and how in the legislature and we're political and get them... To, I can't believe that I don't have and you guys suck and you're not going to get elected until you free the people and you know Klaus Schwab can suck it and you know whatever. So we'll take care of that. <laughs> but part of this solution is to have the mechanical engineer, whether we use it or not, it's good right. evidence to show... Of course it's safe. It's better than whatever. You'd rather us be homeless because we didn't kiss the ring of the man. So this is where we're coming from. And the fact that you have the capability to build someone's dream like this, and you do it in a month, you know, after I put it up, the man don't like that. You feel me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's too efficient, too easy. Yeah. No, this is where I'm at. Too cheap. Well, you, you've demonstrated it. I wanted people to talk to you and see a young guy, a young family, school bus with kids, and oh, my God, I got to build a house and be responsible, you know, kind of, you know, and raise kids and stuff. And I've been to this home, and it's beautiful. Yeah. It is just so simple. It's so effective. It's so clean. It's so insulated. It's so energy. It's green as hell. 
I mean, it's green, 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 green. They go, no, you're doing it wrong because you didn't get a permission slip to be green and not, you know, use energy of whatever their BS thing that they're come up with. And we all know it's BS. Now, this is his workshop. I mean, he's got a big butt workshop right here, too. So this is and, – and the one thing – when you started doing the pond and you did this gazebo thing, I want to get to that because now what is this you're doing? What is this small? Is that a doghouse or something? That, so that that is literally the first dome, <laughs> the so first spray phase. foam dome. I wanted to see I wanted to see if it if it would, the fabric would hold the foam and how it would work. It would be strong enough. Yep. And Very so now cool. it's now it's a doghouse. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. And then you know greenhouses and chicken coops and all kinds of stuff. Now the chicken coop, man, it's you the man, you the man. <laughs> and then the five gallon bucket, that's a good idea. You know, I didn't think of that. We did milk crates, but that's a they're a lot easier to find that way. I'm trying to get to the gazebo thing here. That now you just yeah, came came up with that just by practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we. Figured it out in a in an evening essentially, um, <clears throat> and Donna, that's the bigger version of it right there. Yeah, Donna was enamored with this. She definitely wanted one of them for uh, you know. And I'm thinking that we will do a lot of different things. We have you know ideas for you know we can really make a, a lot with this. You know, it's occupy the land with attainable housing. What you're doing is exactly what we're promoting. And we just started getting the web page done and getting set. And, you know, and, and my whole point is Occupy that we got a bunch of different art. And little Aki, you know, is like the mascot kind of guy. And then, you know, t- TP, I don't give a crap. RV, I don't care. That's not the point. Get out of the cities. Yep. And for you to yep. have the capability not only to be an inspiration, to demonstrate what can be done and how, that's why I wanted to talk to you. Now, you have a business. What is that? How do people find you? Where do they go? What's your webpage? Um, so I don't have a webpage. It's all word of mouth, and I keep quite busy that way. Um, but uh, I've got an email. It's uh, promisefarmaz, as in Arizona, at gmail.com. And that's probably the best way to start. And then uh, from there, we'll probably turn it into phone calls. And yeah. But, promise uh, farm promise az farm promise farm az at gmail that'd probably yep. help if we spelled that right <laughs> uh that yeah, whatever it's too late now but anyway it's promise with an r i'm sure you know yeah we did it wrong sorry about that the the um so i want to go ahead i'll let you go thanks for spending this extra time with me Donna will make sure you get this show and, you know, so that you can share or whatever. But we are definitely sharing with our audience because you demonstrate exactly what we've been hoping to inspire people to do. And you already did it, you know. And you and when did you do that? How long have you been living in that home? Uh, it's been, um, I think, oh, man, it's been two years now, I think. So middle of COVID. Yeah. Yeah, you're all locked yeah. down and didn't care. You go, yeah, yep. whatever. Let me know. You know, write me a letter about it. I'll watch the movie later. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle. Thank you very much for coming on. This was awesome. Peace, man. Thanks. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
Well, did we make a new friend? I think we did. This is going to be a continuing relationship that we're going to be be doing the best that we can to make sure that this technology is not lost to regulation so that people can house themselves, that you can be not too cold, not too hot, not too hungry, not too thirsty, not out in the wind, not out in the rain, that you can educate your own children in your own facility, grow your own food, have enough. There is plenty of land. We have been traveling the last few years across the country several times with the Love Bus Liberty Tour. And I'm telling you, America is beautiful, bountiful, and has lots of land. And if we can do it in the Sonoran Desert <laughs> with six, seven inches of rain, uh, inches of rain a year, you know, I, I don't even want to hear your excuse. So this is something that we're continuing with the help of people like Kyle. Kyle is uh, available. You go to Declare Your Independence with ErnestHancock.com, and you'll uh, look up his name. You can go on the right side of that page. You'll see Topic and Shows by Guest. You go look for the guest, Kyle Gundelach, G-U-N-D-E-L-A-C-H. Kyle Gundelach, and I'm sure, and he has most of his stuff on Instagram. And it's geodesic dome home builder or promise farm that probably give you the the best way to get hold of promise farm he does he does word of mouth he doesn't have a, a business web page he doesn't do he just just puts out on instagram and has a facebook and he's busier than he can stand but i'm telling you this technology is a solution for a lot of things uh, which is why we're gonna have to fight for it pace wow i feel good I knew that I wouldn't I feel good I knew that I wouldn't So good So good I got a year oh, I feel nice A sugar and spice I feel nice A sugar and spice want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the realtor mark ward now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in new hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime our friends at porcupine real estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by new hampshire citizens reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com